Hi, everyone. Uh, this episode was recorded on March 11th of this year, just before we here at Staffing Hub started sheltering in place. Though much has changed in the past few weeks, Joyce Russell's wisdom in this episode is timeless and uplifting, and we hope it brings you a little hope in these unprecedented times. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to The Staffing Show, the only podcast that delivers tools, tips, and tactics from the staffing and recruiting industry's top executives and thought leaders. Hello, and welcome to The Staffing Show. I'm Caitlin Delory, Editor-in-Chief of Staffing Hub. Today, I'm talking to Joyce Russell, President of the ADECO Group U.S. Foundation and former President of ADECO, the second largest provider of recruitment and staffing services in the United States. Joyce is a panelist and participant at the World Economic Forum in Davos and Fortune's Most Powerful Women's Summit. She's on the board of directors of the American Staffing Association and Dress for Success International. She's a former board member of the Committee of 200, a top women's business organization that advances women's leadership in business. And she's a recipient of the C200's Luminary Award for Corporate Innovation. Most recently, Joyce has added author to that list of accomplishments with her new book, Put a Cherry on Top, Generosity in Life and Leadership, which has been called a delightful and insightful gem by Susan Packer, the co-founder of HGTV. And Billie Jean King says, Joyce Russell's fresh, funny, and wise insights about life and work will inspire and energize you, as they certainly did for me. Thank you so much for joining us, Joyce. Caitlin, it's wonderful to be on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to jump in here. Fantastic. To kick things off, can you read a passage from your powerhouse of a book and give listeners a little sneak peek of it if they haven't read it already? Caitlin, I thought I'd go to the end of the book and maybe tell you a little bit about the last two paragraphs and what they say. They say, living a cherry on top life means approaching every situation and interaction with joy and optimism and taking care to be attentive to all the little things that comprise the whole. The cherry on top is not just one thing. It's the cumulative impact of being thoughtful, kind, and considerate and having a spirit of helpfulness and generosity. You see, we get to choose how we live our lives, how we treat others, and ultimately, how we will be remembered. Don't miss the moment to go above and beyond to bring joy and happiness to others. And remember, always put a cherry on top. I love that passage so much. And it's such an important reminder, especially right now. And it really gets at something your book does so masterfully, which is focus on the joy and optimism of a job well done. And reading your book, it seems to me you understood that joy of hard work from a very young age, getting your start at your father's farm. I love the story about you picking tomatoes and selling them at the farmer's market. I was wondering if you could share a little about your career path from selling tomatoes to the staffing industry and how you got your start. Yeah, I did a talk the other day and one of my first questions to the group was, how many of you majored in staffing? You can imagine the room and 150 people in it, not one hand went up. And that was me too. I, I didn't major in staffing. I kind of happened in this amazing career with this amazing company. So I was supposed to marry my college sweetheart. On my way to get my wedding dress, my mother says, well, let's stop at a temporary help company and you can get some temporary work while you're planning the wedding and 
over the next six months. So I walked into a staffing company in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I ended up working in that industry and with that company. And that kind of worked out. And Mary and Rob kind of didn't. So I got a great start in the staffing industry and ended up marrying a great man later on, David Russell. But I kind of happened in the industry and then happened, obviously, to join this amazing staffing company called ADECO, which was a small staffing company in 1987. It was called Audia. And of course, Audia and Echo merged later to become ADECO. I happened in as a branch manager in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a great team here. And we just had an amazing ride in the branch and in the area and the region, and ultimately to run the company for 14 years, the general staffing business, and then now in the wonderful foundation that I'm privileged to lead and truly is a cherry on top in my career with ADECO. So you've been in the staffing industry for over 30 years now, and your book is just packed with great stories, like this one you've started off with about being a generous and joy-driven leader. Can you share some of your favorite stories or one of your favorite stories focused on the kind of growth that ADECO has seen and what that story taught you? If you read in the book, my ancestors were in Florida, so I'm a long lineage of being a Floridian. So when I married David and moved to Charlotte, I didn't know anybody here. It was more a small town in 1987. But one of the things that we always wanted to do at ADECO is own the market, own the best places to work. So the philosophy was, in my mind, if I could own the best places to work for ADECO, then we would own the business. And in those days, there were two tiny little banks here, one called First Union and one called NCMB, which was North Carolina National Bank. And as you know, those companies are at Wells Fargo today and Bank of America, So one of the lessons in the book is, you know, where are the best places to work? You want to own those best places to work, then all the associates or your contractors want to work there. So I always say, if I was a fairy godmother and I was in your market, what 10 accounts would I make sure that you had in your portfolio? So I think that that's one of the great lessons in the book is about focusing on the right accounts and winning those right accounts. This episode of The Staffing Show is brought to you by Staffing Referrals, the only recruiter referral platform designed specifically for staffing firms. If you're like most staffing firms, you're probably not using a digital referral platform, which means you're missing up to 60% of your potential referral placements. That's where Staffing Referrals comes in. Their recruiter referral platform helps you capture more referrals by transforming your candidates and contractors into digital brand ambassadors. Why do staffing firms love staffing referrals? You'll instantly get a referral program like the ones used by Lyft, Uber, and Airbnb. Your recruiters get their very own brand ambassador program, and your company will get more referral leads than ever before. I think you should check it out. If you'd like to get more referral leads for your recruiters, check out their 90-day pilot. They're giving Staffing Show listeners $500 off their first 90 days. To claim your $500 discount, visit staffingreferrals.com forward slash hub. I think you'll love it. How did you know when you were starting off what those right accounts were? Do you have mentors that guided you towards what would be a good lead or did you follow instinct sort of for those starting out in the industry? Let me tell you how that happened. 
So if you read the farming story, right, my dad was a farmer. He comes home and he says, hey, girls, do any of you want the fields before Hunts and Heinz come in to make ketchup? Because he was a tomato farmer. My older sister, Karen, knows in books, studying, went on to med school. Younger sister, studying and very involved in our church. I said, Dad, I want the fields. So I would go out on a Friday afternoon and I would pick tomatoes. I'd come back. I'd cheer the ball game, go out with my boyfriend, curfew, get up at six o'clock on a Saturday morning and go to that stand. I was standing behind a card table and a fish tackle box with my money in it. And I've got 20 to 30 buckets of tomatoes in front of me. Here comes a nice person down and she comes in and starts picking tomatoes out of a bucket. The next thing I notice is a gentleman is right next to her and he's picking tomatoes out of the same bucket. Now, I see another person come in my little stand area, and that same person, three of them, are around the same bucket. And I'm looking and thinking, all the tomatoes are the same. I didn't pick any special tomatoes in the bucket. So my thought was, I've got to get those buckets here in Charlotte, those very best places that everybody thinks they want to pick from. So that's Mm -hmm. where the philosophy and my insight came from, was being 17 years old and seeing that from a farm stand. That's great. And it also really exemplifies how from a young age, you had the emotional intelligence, the EQ, which you talk about a lot in the book to make that observation and sort of extrapolate it to how people behave and how people buy and how people work together even. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of emotional intelligence and share two or three of your favorite lessons from the book? So I think your EQ has to be higher than your IQ as you move up the ladder in promotions. I sometimes talk about your first promotion is pretty much 100% your IQ, your technical skills. That second promotion is less about your IQ, but more about your EQ, maybe 50%. But as you get up in those very high-level promotions to run a company, it gets almost 90% your EQ, your ability to relate to other individuals. So. I always say you really want to work that muscle and really build your EQ intelligence as well as your IQ intelligence. You really want to work on that piece and get stronger and stronger. You know, some of the lessons from the book, you know, I think talent is the biggest rock in the jar is a huge one. Mm -hmm. You know, it was never about me. It was the ability to find talent, have them join our team, build a culture that always beat strategy and have the best team. We were branch of the year and that was a team of us. We were area of the year and that was a team of us. We were region of the year and that was a team of us. And then we accomplished amazing things running the business. So I think I have an innate ability to attract talent to our company and to our industry. And I was always very focused on their success. I can be a pretty tough coach, right? Because a coach cares mm-hmm. about you. I always say, If we're coaching you and and working with you, you know, I really, really like you. If I'm ignoring you, you know, that might be more trouble. So Mm -hmm. I think talent is the biggest rock in the jar for all of us and getting the right people in the right seats in each role in the company. One of the areas that I had to work on, and I was not strong in, Caitlin, and I want to be honest on this call, was confrontation. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. something in personal growth that I had to work on, learning to confront, learning to go to the fire. When there was a problem, go straight to it instead of an email or a phone call. Get to that person. Get to that client quickly. 
So I think that was an area of growth. And I want people to know that as leaders, we're all growing all the time and learning. There are two chapters in the book that people always ask me to elaborate on when I'm doing a book talk. One Mm -hmm. is a very interesting chapter called, Your Boss is Your Best Customer. I'll talk about that in a minute. And the second one is never let anyone or anything change who you are. Mm -hmm. But I had a customer have lunch with me one time and he said, hey, I want to be honest with you. I don't like my boss, my new boss. I don't like him. I immediately said, danger, danger, danger. And I looked right across Mm -hmm. at this customer. I said, if you don't like your boss, I'll bet she doesn't like you either. And so that was a wake-up call. (laughs) We ended up having a great dialogue how I said it was his responsibility. I've had 13, 15, 16 bosses, and I always thought it was my responsibility to develop that relationship with the boss. And that's a different way to think about things versus, I don't like my boss. Mm -hmm. The second chapter that everyone wants me to talk about is this one, don't let anyone or anything change who you are. And I think there's a huge conversation right now of being able to be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And when you're your authentic self, you bring your best self to work and do your best work. So mm-hmm. I think this huge conversation in culture right now is that people get to be them. And I've had great That's bosses that didn't ask me to be anybody but me. Yeah, I feel like that really dovetails with this idea about facing confrontation head on, which means being really transparent. Even if things are hard, even if things don't go the way that you think they should, if you are transparent with everyone on your team, everyone's more able to be their authentic selves too. Someone gave me some advice once. They said, Joyce, you're always so optimistic and positive, but sometimes things are hard. We just need you to say to us, this is going to be hard. And what I love Mm. about me is I'm not perfect and I love to change and I like that feedback. So now sometimes I say when things are hard, I'm honest. I said, this is going to be hard for all of us, including me. I'm Mm -hmm. honest about that versus just positive and optimistic all the time, which I am too. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of hard, you know, times are a little uncertain right now. And as we're looking forward to the rest of 2020, can you share how you're bringing that optimism and that willingness to face the difficulty of time both into your goal setting for 2020? Yeah, I have this saying, you know, circle of influence versus circle of concern. What can I do, you know, about certain Mm -hmm. situations? And then I look for optimism and what I can control in that situation. One of my goals for 2020 was being better about me working out, my well-being, I had not done a good job of getting to the gym, going on those walks. And so I just said, I'm going to focus on personal well-being, which takes dedication and stick-to-itness and lots of discipline. And what I find when I go to the gym, to the classes at night, Caitlin, is they're actually hard. And, you know, things Mm -hmm. are hard, right? And so I keep thinking I'm going to like it. (laughs) It is still, still difficult. And so... When times are difficult, I do think we need to look for the best in everyone in every situation and having that cherry on top abundance mentality. I think this may relate. You focused a lot on raising up the next generation of women leaders. 
and there are difficulties there, but you've really focused on your significant circle of influence. And so can you talk a little about some of the actionable things staffing firms can do today to encourage the next generation of women in leadership roles? Absolutely. I think the one thing that we all have to do as leaders is leave a legacy. I say, I'm planting trees of whose shade I will not sit under. I want to, like we're doing on this talk today, give some lessons that took me 30 years to learn that someone could buy the book or listen to this amazing podcast and be better from it and not have to take 30 years to learn it. We have the ADECO Group Foundation, and I'm very pleased to say that our middle pillar is all around women's equality and leadership, and we joined the Paradigm for Parity. So I'm absolutely focused on, in North America, how do we leave a legacy within ADECO's female leaders, as well as the American Staffing Association. I will be the president of the board next year and thrilled to lead as a top female in the industry to leave a legacy with men and women in leadership, Mm -hmm. because I believe in Mm -hmm. all leadership. But we don't have parity in the industry at the highest levels right now, and I'd love to work hard on that throughout my career here. And remember Mm -hmm. something else. You need to put your handprint on the organization by the people that you hire and the people that you mentor, and most of all, the people that you sponsor. You vote with your time to develop that next generation of leaders. Absolutely. And I think that really just points to the importance that you talk about so much in the book of relationships and building relationships, you know, across all differences, no matter what, the most important thing in this people business is focusing on the strength of your relationships. You also write, like speaking of relationships, before you start recruiting externally, reach out to your own network for referrals because good people know other good people. You said at Staffing Hub Live last year, A's hire A's, B's hire C's, and C's hire losers, which is something that we've talked a lot about in the month since. I think it's a great motto. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of referrals and building relationships? in growing a people-first business like staffing and hiring those A players who will bring on more A players to your team? Yeah. I also have another saying, you know, hire slow and fire fast. People always laugh when I say that. (laughs) I have a couple of favorite interview questions I love to ask. And right now, the first question that I ask when somebody sits down to interview with me, I said, tell me a little bit about how you prepared for this interview with me. And then I'm quiet, right? Was this day and this moment with me and with the ADECO Foundation so important that they did their homework before they sat down? The other story Mm -hmm. that I love to ask when I was in the industry and hiring salespeople is, you know, tell me a success story before the age of 18. I want to know, did it start early? Did she sell Girl Scout cookies? Did he play a band instrument? Like, show me some kind of dedication and success way early in their childhood. And then I love this question, and it's actually a hard question to even understand. I asked the third question because I want to see how their listing skills are. And I asked this question, when have you last stepped out of your own lifestyle wishes and preferences to accommodate the wishes and preferences of someone else? Because Mm -hmm. in the staffing industry, many times we're inconvenienced with a very late order at 4.30 or 5 in the day. And I want to see early in their career, would they be inconvenienced? for something else somebody else needs, and be happy and joyous about it. 
You see, I think my mom named me right, Joyce, because the first three letters are joy. And I think that <laughs> she just got it right, or my mom and dad, when they named me, to think about joy in everything that I do. This episode of The Staffing Show is brought to you by Text Us. You might remember Text Us for their conversational text messaging software that helps recruiters communicate faster with candidates. Since launching four years ago, Text Us has become the largest provider of text messaging to the staffing industry. In fact, over 500 staffing firms choose Text Us more than any other texting software on the market. Why are they so popular? Because getting a hold of the top talent is more difficult than ever. That's where Text Us comes in. Their real-time communication platform helps your recruiters cut through the noise and get a response. If you want to increase recruiter productivity, you should check out Text Us. You can claim your staffing show exclusive free 30-day pilot by visiting textus.com forward slash hub. Just go to textus.com forward slash hub to claim your pilot and start recruiting in real time. One of my favorite stories from the book, which I think is filled with joy and really exemplifies putting how a deco put a cherry on top for you is your experience at the Olympics. Can you tell that story for our, our listeners? Oh my gosh, it was it was such an amazing time. So ADECO staffed about 10,000 contractors for the Sydney 2000 Olympics, and they awarded us two torch relay spots. And so I was so very fortunate when our president at that time, Debbie Pond Heidi, said that I was going to be one of those torch runners. Caitlin, I wasn't a runner, so I had to begin running. <laughs> and I had to run with either a bag of sugar or a heavy can in my right arm because the torch weighed about five pounds. So I ran all over Charlotte with my hand up with a soup can over my head or a sack of sugar, and I ran, 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 ran. And then we got to Sydney, and I got an amazing spot. I got day 99 on the governor of New South Wales relay team, who that relay team, which I was on, was the relay team that gave it over to Olivia Newton-John and that relay team. So it was double bay. I thought I'd have to run far and maybe up hills because Sydney has hills. I was downhill running. But my favorite part of that story is my 10-year-old son, Coleman, my second boy, was running in the streets next to me. You've got a Secret Service agent on your right and a high school student on your left. I'm running with the torch. And there's Coleman with 100,000 people around me yelling, that's my mommy. That's my mommy. And so it was just such an amazing surprise that he had in me as a mother that Adeko has given me that experience. And I talk about the power of experiences that we need to give our colleagues. It's sometimes worth way more than money. And so that experience mm -hmm. that Adeko gave me, that torch hangs in my family room today. And you get to keep the torch. You just pass the flame. And I brought that torch home with me to the United States. We went to all kind of cancer hospitals and schools across America. The rings are rubbed off of them because I let all the children touch the torch. It's not as valuable as other torches because the rings are gone, but it makes me super happy that the rings are rubbed off from children across America. I love that. I just feel like you are passing the torch on in a lot of ways to upcoming generations of leaders and also in your transition from ADECO to the ADECO Group Foundation, sort of taking your experience into another realm. Can you talk a little about how you prepared for that transition and about your work at the 
ADECO Group U.S. Foundation? Yes, absolutely. I knew it'd be difficult, you know, after 30 years of working in the business to transition over to the foundation. I kind of broke myself a little bit. I went to a wonderful place in Calabasas, California called the Ashram, where you hike every day, seven to 15 miles, and you really kind of disconnect from this world. There is no sugar. There is no cell phone. There is no computer. There is nothing other than the, just the outdoors and this amazing experience to get away from the world. So I kind of broke myself with something that I'd never done before, challenged myself, and then came back with vigor to really make a difference in the ADECO Group Foundation. And that was founded about a year ago in January of 2019. We've got three pillars in the foundation. The first pillar is something I feel passionate about, is making the future work for everyone. And, you know, as we know, artificial intelligence and robotics and a lot of the world of work is changing. So we're focused on reskilling and upskilling in pillar number one. The middle pillar we talked a little bit on this call, which is parity. And so I'm very focused on that pillar which is women's equality and parity. And the third pillar is giving back in our local communities. And so it's just been an amazing experience to lead the foundation. I'm so proud of the work that we're doing and so proud that this is the cherry on top in my career in the industry. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joyce, for joining us on the podcast and for sharing your wisdom both in your book and in our conversation. We'll put a link to put a cherry on top on Staffing Hub, but for listeners who don't want to wait and you shouldn't, you can hop on Amazon right now and buy it both in the lovely hardback, which is in my hands right now, and in the Kindle version. Thank you so much, Joyce, for joining us. I really enjoyed it. Caitlin, I can't thank you enough for having us on the show today. It's been an absolute joy. Thanks for listening to The Staffing Show. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at staffinghub.com to never miss an episode. Until next time.